Hey everyone, I'm Wa. And I'm Chris. Oh, and welcome to Docky Sweeties. We're two longtime friends to discuss the riveting and sometimes trashy world of reality TV and docu-series. Yes, but through our own lens, which is forgetful. But also <laughs> other things. <laughs> At the end of the day, hopefully mildly sweet. Hi! Hi! <laughs> so today we're talking um, uh, the Netflix docu-series. This is episode three of Killer Sally. This episode is called The People Versus sally mcneil Uh, i really hope that you guys have been listening to this series chris and i both like it a lot um you know we always have something to say when it comes to these docuseries sometimes they're poorly made but this one was done really well um so check it out on netflix it's got a lot too it's got many layers um but happy new year yeah i mean it's listening or yeah it's 2023 i mean for those of you guys who are on your on patreon it's still 2022 you know, because you're a patron and you get to see the visuals of, you know, what's happening immediately. Um, But for those of you guys who are listening with the podcast, it is definitely 2023. Yeah, it's been 2023. (laughs) It's been 2023. Um, Um, This has been really, really fun. So obviously, following the story of Sally McNeil, who, God bless, was once married to a person named Ray McNeil and then no longer was married to that person after she put two bullets in that person. So this episode is about the trial. Uh, we already talked to about the relationship, who the people were, what they were dealing with, what happening. But let's talk about now, like how shit went down, and a little bit of how things are from you know from that moment until now. So one thing, obviously, watching the docu series, it's it's very obvious that Sally, when she's giving the interviews, is not in a place of freedom. You know what I'm saying? So, like, wherever we, it's not going to be a surprise at the end of this trial that obviously Sally does time and has been doing time because we see Sally. She's been, she's been aged. She's a seasoned woman, honey, not free. Do you know what I'm saying, Ma? Yeah. And it was shocking to me, too, because I was like, wow, she has a lot of freedom, one, to do this documentary. And two, like, how long has she been in prison? I'm like, what did she do to get, like, what did they, how long did they put her in prison? Like, it it was wild. I was like, did she get life? Like, what's going on? Um, So in this one, we start off with this annoying ass former district attorney. And he's decided that she, that he's going to go with the angle of Sally being a bully and a thug. So his intro speech where he tries to captivate the jurors is like, she is a bully and a thug. And that's hard to say when you're talking about a woman. Sally McMill has managed to bridge that in the gender gap. And I said, wow, this is so 1995. Yes. Because, I mean, that's hard to say when you're talking about a woman. I'm sorry, have you not met the, like, down-ass bitches of, like, certain... Women can be fucking bullies and thugs. I mean, it's well-known. It's just... It's... You know what's really, really sad for me, I guess, only just to think of it... I've never served in the military at all. And I think I like, really? I, I thought you were in there from like 2001 to 2004. Okay. I have not, I've never done it. It's just that if you are someone who does that in this moment, it's, 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 it's like that's being used against her for certain things, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just whatever. It's like, it makes me, I don't know. This is whole thing is, this whole thing is, is not fun to watch as a woman but basically he wants to portray her as 
incredibly aggressive, uh, you know, unhinged, you know, which he doesn't use the word unhinged, but they want to portray a portrait that she is out of her like effing mind. And she's just been, there's like time after time in which she's gotten altercation, altercation. Um, they go back to her military records like this. He is a highfalutin former or like district attorney. And so he has the means and the wherewithal to go through this woman's record. And this woman is a woman with a with certain things on her records, like the fact that yes, she's been in the military and they take expert notes of like how she was there. But also, B, as we've talked about, she has made money in the wrestling kink video situation. So not only are we going to hold against her, uh, her nature, her aggressive nature, that is also was used for our benefit as being someone who went to service for us but also b there's this other like culture and atmosphere of like using this woman's sex work if you will against her you know and i in sex work i'm going to use it in like in that kind of way it's not sex work because i don't think that she ever had sex with these people but it's and it's but, a but the line between kink and what you're going to say is like female either wrestling videos that are amateur based or not, you know, they're very amateur based or not in a ring and also her private one-on-one -on -one work. Yeah. So there's, there's two things there. In this one, we find that he feels the district attorney at the time that this person cannot be a battered woman because she herself is violent. And we now live in a time where we know that that is not true. And one can be the same. A battered woman can like beat her kids. That person is still violent. So like, what does that have to do with anything? Um, she says to herself, she says about herself, I'm not sophisticated. I'm not diabolical. We find out in this episode, after two episodes of her, finding out that she's 5'3", and that they've decided the... Um, the internet is what I was going to say, not the internet, the media. They have decided that she is, they call her the brawny bride. They called her the pumped up princess. And this is in a time where we've got a lot of women who are doing a lot of amazing things in the media. We've got Lorena Bobbitt. We've got Amy Fisher. Um, we've got Natasha Harding. And the, Tanya the Harding. with Tanya, Tanya Harding. Is that the one who like hit the other one in the leg? Yeah. the one yeah. I, I, break, I had referenced her, um, of course, talking about. Um, Who's the one who got hit in the leg? Nancy Kerrigan. Okay, Nancy. Yeah, Tanya, so Harding. Tanya Harding. Yeah, so we've got a lot of women who are like, you know, doing things um, against people who, who, well, in the, Natasha Harding's case, she just hated. I love that you keep saying Natasha Harding. What's her name? Okay, it's Tanya Harding, okay. and she, <laughs> she, she, she hit somebody she in the legs. Nancy yeah, Kerrigan. Why me? Why me? <laughs> Because yeah. she's so jealous of that. But then you have Lorena Bobbitt, who like oh. cut off her man's pee pee because he was fucking up. Now, that was the joke of all of my life. Like, I literally, I still talk. I'm like, do she Lorena Bobbitt at him? Yeah, like Lorena Bobbitt. And that man got his penis sewn back on. So, and did porn after that. Huh? He did por and he did porn with that sewn on penis, honey. Yeah. Like, because he wanted to, people wanted to see it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it all worked out. And then Amy Fisher is a woman who shot her lover's wife. I don't know. Yeah, so why are you saying, like, you don't know? Yes, of course she is. I don't remember quite what happened. Lorena Bobbitt, I, I know. Walked up to, yes, she, honey, she just knocked, knocked on her fucking door of her husband's, or no, of her, of her, she's having an affair, right? She was cheating she on her husband. On door. She knocks on his door. His wife comes out. She shoots him a goddamn face, point blank, and she survives. The, the wife survives. 
That's crazy. So we're in this era, right? And so we, they're already starting to sensationalize women and like, you know, talk about these killer women or whatever. And then here comes um, poor Sally McNeil. And so they start to talk about like how exactly it happened. And they start to talk about how it was the difference between what she told police and what forensics showed, Mm -hmm. which was that she, she says she grabbed the rounds, came out, he lunged for her, she shot him. Then it looked like he was going to come back for her again. So she shot him again. Uh, What forensics found is that based on bullets and blood splatter that she shots, shoots him, then goes back into the, um, the bedroom releases the round that's in the bear what's in the thing. I don't know about guns releases the round that's in there. You know, shotguns you've seen in movies and the thing flip, flips out, puts another um, slug or whatever it is in <laughs> walks mm-hmm. into the living room. The man is down laying on his back and she shoots him in the face and his blood on the ground. Then from this angle splots up, first of all, every fucking where, but also specifically in a pattern onto the lampshade that would only be happening from the ground there. So if she had shot him where he was either up or standing at, you know, it would be a different blood thing. Yes. So this, they want to also give, they want to illustrate the fact that Sally had premeditated either this situation that she knew that he was cheating and she wanted this to happen or she could have used this and or B that she wasn't actually being threatened in her life in that moment that maybe had hit her before, but in that moment that she in fact could have picked a different choice, you know, like that's what they want to say to her. Yep. Sorry, go on. Oh no, you're, you're fine. So, um, so that's now what the the thing is. And it, it's like her lawyer doesn't know how, what the angle is. It's like her lawyer is just like, okay, they keep saying that, but we need to like really press on the fact that like she ha- was having some form of PTSD. She, you know, probably was out of her mind in shock, like just was like trying to neutralize the threat as much as she could because she had, was fed up and was tired, you know, like a lot of stuff. But it's like he, he I mean, just in his like incompetence, um, and also, it's just the also fact that the prosecutor was really good at b- blowing holes in his argument because of the kind of questioning that he asked, which le- led everybody to believe that she wasn't battered. Um, and she then, like, every time he talks to a psychiatrist about it, the person kept, like, he kept objecting to whatever that person was saying. Well, isn't it this? And this, like, yeah, that's obvious. So why are you asking me that question? Isn't it true that some women who are battered leave and some women who are battered don't? And the psychiatrist is like, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, well, is it also not true that some women who are battered uh, die and some live? (laughs) It's like he's trying to say... If she was battered, she would have left. Or I don't even know. It's like it's like it's like a nonsensical but incredibly manipulative way of which to plant ideas in someone's mind that aren't linear, that don't actually link up to make logical sense, but almost like a house of cards are certain things that if you're dumb and just reeling those things in your mind oh i guess yeah no some people do leave she didn't leave no maybe battered she didn't leave why didn't she was she strong leave? so why didn't she leave she, she had a job she that's because yeah. if you're battered you'd leave maybe or you want to leave but she killed them so she it's like it's like that kind of just 
circle. It's like a circle kind of talk that doesn't get here nor there, but baffles one and then plants certain weird seeds to confuse. Yeah, because you guys know the jurors are not like they're regular degulars. Okay. Regular degulars that have a, a television with only 13 channels. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the 90s. Like these folk are, they don't, they they pull from whomever in the community, right? So it's not like these are all like, we, we tend to think, I think, in any kind of jury case or, you know, whatever, that the jurors, they're peers. You know what I'm saying? And if Sally herself says she's not sophisticated, we can only assume that the jury panel wasn't all full of, you know, psychiatrists or people who knew about mental health and, and you know, whatever. So it's really up to the lawyers to paint that picture. And um, we then have a... a, a then the prosecutor just parades all of these battered men who have just been beat the shit out of by Sally, including Ray's mistress goes onto the stand talking about how he wanted to leave, but she was so obsessed and jealous. And, and I'm like, well, did we not mention that them kids aren't his? So there was no reason for him to stay. Um, and like, she, you know, just a lot of shenanigans that should not have been allowed to stand. Mm-hmm. And a lo- the the ju- the judge l- let a lot of things not come in to paint her in an obviously negative manner, like her videos and stuff like that. Like those things did not come out, uh, weren't allowed to be used as evidence of her, as her violence because they didn't have any bearing on this crime. Um, but then they bring out her daughter. And I don't know if this defense attorney, if her attorney like didn't, have like meetings with Shantina prior to, to like talk about what it is that Shantina needed to do if there weren't any mock like interviews. But Shantina being a teenager who witnessed this and went through her own set of traumas and was like going through it, they put her on the stand and she was what, 14? And mama cried through it all. So much that the defense attorney Colt said, no, let's stop it. Let's take her off. And Shantina herself says, I don't even think my mom's lawyer asked me the correct questions. Yeah, I was crying, but like he didn't ask me what needed to be asked. It's so interesting that like you could so easily show how abusive he was with the two other key witnesses that were living in the home. You know, it's interesting that like, you would even have like character witnesses of like, you know, like she had, she had only told this one friend yeah. that <clears throat> she was being abused. And the friend was like, and she wouldn't even told me except that I kept seeing bruises and was like, tell me about them bruises. You know what I'm saying? Like this, she has like the, her one sound bite she says like twice throughout this documentary. But yeah. um, she, there's that woman and that's like it. Like we never, like the, the, I forgot her friend that she grew up with, but that woman didn't, I don't think that woman was a character no. witness. No, she didn't know. Debrosia, or whatever her name was. Debrosia, yeah. Like, so we have Ray's friends who, you know, like... Who knew? So I'm like, why didn't the defense attorney, like, say, did you know anything was happening? Did you know they had to, like, get grill DJ? Yeah, you know, I think w- whether they did and whether they were like, I never saw nothing, and they were like, they were bro code to the end with their dude. Like, you know, like they, they, it's obvious that they, I don't know, obvious, but I, I, I don't know if they would have been good witnesses for the defense or whether they would have been for the prosecution. And I feel like they were probably for the prosecution. I think they were. I think that those people yeah. were. I think all of anyone's raised, any of Ray's friends were prosecuting witnesses. Yeah, or, and or, I, or I agree too. Witnesses of the prosecution or whatever. Yes, I agree that that's the case too. But I, you know, I just, I just wanted that public defender to be better. Oh uh, yeah. And so then the John is no. like, oh yeah. Go ahead. 
no tell about john john is like listen if they had put me on the i would have been real calm i wouldn't have cried i knew exactly what to say and i'm like why didn't they bring john out like they you know it's it, it was just it's just interesting what they chose to do and what they chose not to do and i know hindsight is 2020 and we're in a different world now and you know he might have had other cases you know he seems like he's a better lawyer now um so at some point she says oh i want to go on the stand and he probably just said i advised i advised against it and then didn't stop her like I mean, I'm like no no, don't do it. I really want to. No, don't do it. Like, no, he, he says this. He's like, in my, you know, in my entire time, uh, it's never really helped. There's only been like a couple of people that would help. And it's definitely, she's not a candidate for who it would have helped. Like, he almost makes it seem like the ideal candidate for someone who's going to go on trial for themselves is someone who can be very, first of all, authentic and very real with their emotions and be, and display enough emotions that you entice the audience to feel sensitivity and empathy for you and for everything that we saw of who sally was she isn't the kind of emotive person that would have connected with the audience in such a way but sally mm -hmm. wanted to yeah and he didn't coach her this is my thing it's yeah, like he, he her. told her he told her yeah don't wear your shoulder pads and don't work out but did he say sally when you get on that stage you gotta cry girl Sally, when you get on that stage, you need to seem very sad. And if you don't, you will mess up your case. Sally, when you get on that, you need to like be very careful. If you don't understand, start crying. Like something. He didn't, it's like it's it's like maybe because it was free and he wasn't being paid. So he's like, oh, I don't know. Like, you, you win some, you lose some. So anyway, she gets on the stage, on the stand, and apparently, and she even admits this, that she shouldn't have gone on there, um, that she immediately just became a soldier. And started to answer the questions. Yes, sir. No, sir. And then this man asks her, are you known as killer Sally? And she says, no, which then opens it up to that side of her life being broadcasted in front of the jurors. And because it had been omitted before, like I said, that's, that's nothing to do with it because she like lied or, and, or didn't acknowledge that this was a thing. And so everyone's like, well, you know, the lawyer and Sally was like, I was taking it literally like, yeah, nobody in my life knows me as killer Sally. Like killer Sally is a, is a character I made up to wrestle men with in that one video. But like, I'm not known as killer Sally. Like she didn't have the wherewithal to even to do that. And so they brought out that picture of her like with her in a with a gun and like ammo around her chest and not only a gun the gun the gun not a i mean god it was a bad look literally the worst look possible uh bad luck yeah so the jurors go in they don't find her guilty of first degree murder which i think is like premeditative and intent and like a lot but they do for second degree and i thought oh second degree that's best better but no what they really wanted was manslaughter or like self-defense or not guilty because of that but like apparently second degree means there there is some level of intent yeah premeditated it's kill and it's like because they couldn't get over the fact that she had like shot him in the face the second time yeah and it's, it's like and I'm like, yeah, if it's presented to me like that too, and you went back for a second shot and your lawyer can't explain why you went back for that second shot in a way that makes any sense. And then you got on thing and was very like cold and, you know, yeah, no. 
Um, how about even like, you know, this is like, there's, just like in my mind, like a billion things, like she's a soldier and literally she is taught to get the job, either get the job done. Or how about this? Once I realized what happened, my natural reflexes was I don't have to be in pain. I just was like, Shh. you know, or I don't know, you know, like if he, I, either, I, I don't know. It's just like, I just, it, it should have been like, uh, we both reach for the gun. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. They both. Oh yes. They both. Oh yes. They both reached for the gun, the gun, the gun, the gun. Oh yes. They both reach for the gun for the gun. Yes. They both reach for the gun. Yeah. But yeah, it's not just the second, it's the second shot mixed with the fact that she was like, Oh, I had the, the second loading in my hand. And with one hand, I cocked it, blah, blah, blah. And it was all the same time. And it was like, but no, you actually went to one place. That's where you dropped the the old bullets. So they know you were in that room and you had to go back and where he was and do it again. So like, you know, but I also just feel like, again, thinking of what I think of as like a military style army person or soldier, it's like, you must, you are trained to get into a space where you shoot and where there is a disconnect. There has to be. Between the mechanical things your body is doing and what is actually happening for you to do it, I don't think it's a natural. I don't think it's a, I mean, at least I don't know if it's a very natural thing to take lives that way. But you are, but you train people mm-hmm. to do it, mm-hmm. and they get good at it, and it becomes second nature, just like working out does. The idea of shooting someone, and the idea of lifting the same mm-hmm. whatever piece of weight it's like things are neurons and pathways happen in your mind in such a way that things will become such second nature that like what's the reaction and what is wh- almost like yeah almost like you're hitting your knee with a doctor's office and just having your knee go up it just cer- certain things become second nature especially to someone who was trained to do that. So I just, it's crazy to me that this wasn't more, there wasn't, was there expert witnesses of how people are militarily trained? It just seems so obvious to me that she would act the way she did. Now, I'm not saying that she isn't culpable in any way. I'm not there. I don't care. I mean, I mean, I care, but like this already happened and we already know that like, you know, things already happen. There's nothing I can care or do now. And we'll get to the, how this ends, but you know, it's just, it's looking back on it just seems like, yeah, she really had a shitty lawyer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, was he angry? Don't oh. remember. She should have just like been like, don't remember over and over again. Like what happened? Well, how'd you, why did you shoot them the second time? I don't remember. Honestly, I just remember the first shot and there being blood everywhere. And I don't remember anything else after that. He reached for me again. I was like, ah, my kids, my kids, yeah. my kids. I mean, literally anything. The kids were asleep. I got scared. I thought he was going to get up. I don't, I went, to, yes, yeah, something. So then um, she was convicted and got 19 years. And for a while there, the kids came out once a year, but then it got hard. And this is where I felt so bad for Sally, but you know, I got to respect the kids and what they went through. And as a, as a result of all of Sally's choices, cause you have to think about it. She brought them into this environment and then it didn't protect them. So they it got hard for Shantina to like tell people where she was going when she was saying she was going to visit her mom. Now for me, I'm just like, girl, why don't you just say la la la? But you know, this is hindsight and I can't say what she should have said. They're like, oh, I'm going to go visit my mom. Uh, just be like, she lives there w- with her boyfriend. <laughs> like, what do you need to like tell him his prison? But anyways, um, so Shantina just really wanted to forget and I can't blame her girl. Like the son stopped talking to her at some point because, um, 
he felt, I think he got into a place in his life where he was like, you didn't think of us after he had his child. Yeah. Yeah. After he had his first child and he felt that love and that need, that strong, strong need to protect. He, I think it just switched for him. And I think that always happens to a lot of people who felt trauma as from their parents, because I mean, some people react differently, but that's how I would be. Like, I, I know that as a parent, I would be so like, I would do my very best to be keyed into what my kids are saying, to be keyed into how they're feeling, to be keyed into so many things because I felt like that didn't happen for me. So like, I think when you have your kid and you realize that like, you know, some of the things that happened to me, I'm like, how could a grown ass somebody just say this or do this or behave this way when it's like to a child, And I think that's what happened to John. John was like, my mom just let this happen because she was in love. Like, that's the craziest thing. You didn't love us more. So anyways, he stopped talking to her. He regrets it. But he at the moment, that's where he was. And I don't fault him for that at all. The journalist lady said that now as a woman, knowing what she knows and, you know, getting caught up in the hype of how it was in the 90s, says that she would absolutely apologize to Sally for the way that she and her cohorts allowed this story to kind of spin into anti-woman rhetoric like you have to look a certain way to be a battered wife yeah and then the producer's like would you and she's like yeah and then from this moment i'm like oh my god you're gonna bring her out and do it and then they don't not yeah it was weird that was a weird moment i'm like i mean none of these people are famous enough that you can't just like make a time for both those schedules for that media woman to be like sorry about it sally or to like edit it in a way that'd be like just have a little moment where they're like, hey, just turn to the camera. We're going to show Sally this. So just turn to the camera and say, Sally, I'm really sorry. You know, Great. we did a disservice to you. And done, done. Yeah, please. <laughs> show Very her the clip. <laughs> um, so um, Sally was released 25 years later. So I'm like, did she fight in jail? I thought it was 19 years. Well, first of all, yeah. She says that she tried to, she went in front of the par- parole board five times to get out and they just kept denying her mostly be- and at first she is because she never said she was culpable and she realized she had to start saying that she had to take responsibility and she even though she truly i think doesn't feel any in this moment that she that she should have she doesn't understand as a battered woman why she has to take any she doesn't feel but i think that's in my my gut we also yeah. talked about the fact that john unfortunately also had some issues where he dived into drug addiction so oh that's that's next okay go on yeah um, so she, um, she gets rela- released 25 years later. And also I was thinking like, is there a thing where like you go before the parole board and you ask to be paroled and if you get denied, then you just get like two more years at it. Is that what happened? I just want to know why she stayed in there for 25 years. That's like six years longer than promised, you know? Um, and so she was released during COVID, which has got to be weird. We see footage of her eating a McDonald's sandwich and she's just a like, big Mac. yeah, she's like, she's like I haven't had one. And I'm like, listen, her synapses must have been firing. If I had bitten into a a, a Big Mac or like a Mexican pizza after a pizza, <laughs> my mouth is watering after like. Yeah, we, you know, it's so funny because Juan and I watched Love during lockup and Love After Lockup. You know, you know, this is true. And so there's a lot of times in which we see someone just get out of prison and, you know, like the first day out or whatever. And so it. Throughout those times, obviously people are in prison for different years. And so you're like, oh, this person has been in years like for 10 years. What don't they know? You know, what did they have they missed for 10 years? Being in there for 25 years missed a lot though. I mean, she missed 
she miss airports being open where you could just walk, anybody could walk to the gate or a fancy lady could go and meet a man, you know, at a bar. Like she, and it's now not that. She's missed every cell phone that has ever existed. She's yeah. missed the internet. She's missed, I mean, she went from- Cameras on her phones. Like yeah. that kind of thing. Like she took so much video, she took so much VHS. And I'm like, now, does she know that she can just like use her phone? She's just gonna be No, like, she doesn't. Cause she still has a camcorder out in one of those scenes uh, by the water. Yep, said, you're this right. This woman has a camcorder. No, she doesn't know. And it's just like, it's like she, she has missed every, she has missed the first black president. She has missed me too. She has missed, I mean, she's missed everything. She's 9-11. Missed, I mean, yeah, she missed it all. Well, and who knew it happened? But like, yeah, like all of the convenient, like, you no, know, she doesn't know anything about whatever. She doesn't know pizza's, uh, she doesn't know Domino's pizza tracker. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, she doesn't know about DoorDash, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Anywho, um, she doesn't even know that, she doesn't, she doesn't even know the rise and fall of Miss Cleo. She just like doesn't know. I'll tell you um, what she does know though how to get in the arms of a, of a black guy because like he, he, she's out of prison she says i mean she does one thing she's like moth to a flame honey she's like listen i lived in a halfway house there was four veterans it was really awesome like they got me on my feet blah blah and she meets someone in the halfway house full-on yeah. relationship again she this just must is- be very charismatic i mean I think of myself as being charismatic too. And I just don't have the luck. Yeah. It's just wild. So um, the last time she sees Shantina is in 2004. And um, we find out that Shantina went into the military and that had like a couple tours in Iraq or went to Iraq at least once. And that she found herself in an abused relationship from a military husband as well. And so it's like the cycle continues, but she's able to pull herself out of it earlier than, um, her mom her mom then we go to john and john says that uh fortunately that he's had some drug and alcohol treatment he's currently in drug and alcohol treatment at that time um for drug addiction and he um had a wonderful wife he also went to the military and did five different stints five he had a very wonderful wife who he treated very poorly and when he said that i said oh my god did you beat your wife Oh my God. Did you hear your wife? Like that's like when he said that he was very bad to her. I said, shit. Uh, he then tells us that he's had five tours in Iraq, uh, combat tours and that he, it just was too much for him. He had had so much violence in his life and that now he has chosen to just have none of that, none of it. And he just wants to walk away from it. 100%. Um, yeah. So she has this boyfriend named Stuart. <laughs> This is, I mean, it's not his real name because when they get married, they say some crazy ass name that I didn't write down. Um, but they get married six months later. She says, oh, I have to take it slow. You know, so we were dating. We've been dating for 10 months. And then now six months later after. So they were together for 16 months instead of two months from her second marriage and like two months or two weeks from her first marriage. She decided to wait a full 16 months before she gets married and John walks her down the aisle, which I think is really sweet. We get to see when the first day she meets her daughter and her son, her grandson for the first time. And she says, Shantina, you're so beautiful. You look so great. And I'm like, this is a different woman. This Shantina, the woman that she remembers is a completely different person. And Shantina's like towering over her. And we really start to see how short Sally is. And like, just, it made me cry. I was crying the whole last part of this. Cause I just said, you know, everybody deserves like a second chance. And 
John is like, my mom deserves a lot. She does, she's paid her dues 25 fucking years to go into prison for somebody who was beating her. Like, yes, I mean, she she made her mistakes, but that woman has fucking paid her price. Yeah. No. Paid her price. I, I, I mean, this is like, yeah, it made me feel like we we really do such a shitty job of taking care of people that go into service. I mean. Because we we respect we expect so much from them and then we just leave them and what we have asked them to do is very fucking hard you know and it doesn't just end it stays with them in such a way I, my heart yeah like my heart hurts for a lot of but like yeah it, it it's a yeah because because to hear that shantina and john also go into the service and how also they have been had some issues yeah. just it's just very hard there's homeless there's a lot of homeless vets there's a lot of mentally health mental health situations with vets like we don't give vets anything that re- remotely resembles what they've given you know like us which is like and it's so oh. interesting too because you were talking about your grandfather in the earlier episode and it i think the difference between someone serving during like world war ii is that they got drafted to that shit. World War II and Vietnam, these are people who just like got picked up off the street and was like, hey, come here. And then you have the later, the latter military. And these are people who make choices either out of desperation, which is what Sally had to do um, to join the military or just as choice or part of family lineage. And so it's a very different thing. I don't know if Sally saw any time like in combat. I don't remember if she was like in Kuwait or like anything like that. Cause I don't remember if there were any, I don't think there's any wars in the later, latter 80s. It was just like, Kuwait and then in the night in the early 90s and like but like she still you still deal with abuse like she still was in an institution that allowed each husband to abuse her and they didn't protect her and when this lawyer is finding all of her records of violence in the military I said did you pull up her records of abuse because it is noted that her husband her first husband beat her she called the police on him and he went to the, you know what I'm saying? Both the first husband and Ray went to, Tony and Ray went to the brig and like whatever. So she has a well-documented history of violence and violence happening to her um, while she was with her, was she while she was there. And the one saving grace is that they actually took care of her when she got out of prison. I was really worried that she was going to deal with that homelessness, but they put her in a halfway house with other vets. You know, she goes to therapy um weekly and she's got this support and she was able to move into her own space and she seems really happy and grateful for every life and step that she takes right now so i'm i'm happy that she got on the back end but so many people don't and i think wow i mean just this story was just so much and it was done so well and it has you thinking and it has you going back and forth and like do i think ray deserved to die absolutely not do i think the second shot was necessary no do i think she deserved 25 years or 19 years no it's just like so many things like that are involved that it's just like you know the jurors had a hard job to do as in a time and you just want to go back and be better you know so you want to be better and it really goes to show you how, what and the importance of a good lawyer because <laughs> the job at hand is to pick the lawyer that is telling the best story and and it doesn't have to be it's a it, it's a story that's really going to have a lot of like holes in it but it's just the best story 
uh yeah uh it, they also mentioned for her new boo like hey does any of that guy's family like or friends or any of those people are like hey you know what happened to that last guy like watch out you know like they when they show the wedding i you know i'm like i don't know i kind of want to look at all his like friends faces and family's faces and be like is there anyone with like any sort of like <laughs> any pain i'm seeing and it's what it's like is it like i wanted to see his mom's face and be like is the mom like Sally and him i love them okay what a great couple or is she like you know i don't know <laughs> he loves her like they like they, they just they seem like you know they're she's like they're soulmates or da, 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 da. they listen she seems i don't know because it's like my mind i'm like she seems so mild-mannered. I do feel like their toxic relationship back in the day was fueled by probably a lot of things, and drugs was probably part of it. And now these two people are different people in different states. I'm like, do they? Do you think they fight well, like her and her new boo? No, she said that he's very laid back and very easygoing, and that he, you know, he even said that he just wants to like want someone to love, and like I, I you know, those people who like fight like that. That's a very specific breed that's a very i mean a lot of people are like that but i'm not like i want i can argue and i can go back and forth with somebody but like if i want to keep that person in my life and i want to remain like respectful then i'm just like i have to either acquiesce or be like hey this is my truth and this is where i stand and if you don't believe in that i'm walking away like i'm very black and white when it comes to that kind of stuff because i just don't want that arguing in my life and i've had to argue with somebody who doesn't make good like arguments and now <laughs> anytime i run into anybody whose argument like is just stupid i'm like not for you it's not for me i had a life i had a childhood of like you're hurting my feelings you make me feel bad oh you're just acting okay. mm. you know how many times i've been told this is not the stage honey i'll tell you what the stage was the stage was covered with roses with a guy that told us about wrestling for no reason was at his stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the stage that happened in this documentary. Yeah, um, I just won't, I know I, I'm not somebody who won't take that. If you don't want to hear what I have to say, if you don't believe my feelings, if you don't find them valid, you know, then like no. So I hope I just want I hope the best for her. I hope that she gets to live the rest of her life. Um, as happy as possible. I don't remember how old she was born in 1960. And if she went to prison in 1995, she was 60, 70, 80, 90. She was 35 when she went into prison. And so she's 55 now or 60 now. Cause it was 25 years. Mm. So. Um, we should also say as we in this episode that if you or anyone, you know, is a victim of domestic violence, DV, domestic, anything, abuse or violence, please, please, find appropriate resources, aid her numbers, hotlines, talk to someone you can to get yourself and your loved ones out of the situation because it is real shitty and um, there's just no reason to experience that. It's not love. It's not anything. It's not anything healthy. So um, also, yeah, like I, what makes it literally that this documentary documentary makes me want to be of service for like better veterans, like to be more of service for them. I mean, in, in some sort of way, I wish I, the, uh, they really, really uh, need like mental health resources and budgeting. So, I mean, maybe we can like lobby for that or something because it's an, it's it's important. Um, other than that, it was a really, really great series, and I, I, I'm happy that she's out. And I wish the best for her. And I hope that her and Shantina and John and you know can like have a lot of healing and hopefully a lot of therapy. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, my loves, thank you so much for being on this journey with us. Um, you know, you have lots of other content coming your way. Of course, we're following 90 Day Fiance and Love During Lockup. And we have some more docuseries on the gamut. Make sure that you hit us up with any of your recommendations. You can follow us on Instagram at DocuSweeties or TikTok at DocuSweeties1 or Twitter at DocuSweeties1. Wah? You can also, if you would like to get the visuals of what you are hearing in your eardrums at this moment, you can join us on patreon.com slash docusweeties. It's $10 a month. We go live every first Monday of the month and we've got, you know, some little stuff happening here and there trying to get better, making space in 2023 to provide you that quality content um, for those of you who are paying. So we thank you. Thank you so much. Don't forget to give us five stars. Don't forget to tell your friends about our podcast. That's a great way to get, um, you know, get us out there, get us popping. You know, we're, we're, we're looking for big things in 2023. And we hope that this year is a good year for you too. And that you have, um, you know, fun stuff on the horizon. It's another yeah. year to try something new. All right. Thanks guys. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.